0: painting of a hunting party in a marsh of the Nile Delta is apparently not of an actual event in life of the deceased nobleman T. The boat, for example, is much too flimsy, and a hippo would hardly be holding in its jaws its most feared predator, the alligator. Rather, the image is an evocation of the afterworld, the so-called field of rushes, recalling the marsh in its primeval, eternal form, untouched by human history or labor. In turn, the actuality of a marsh is suggestive of a particular ancient Egyptian concept of existence after death. Marshes, whether they are non-tidal, occurring along the boundaries of lakes, ponds, or rivers, or tidal, occurring along coastlines influenced by the tidal cycles of the sea, are freshwater, saline, or brickish wetlands. They are sometimes inundated, mostly by surface or groundwater. Rich in nutrients and minerals, they are also pH neutral, so that they can sustain abundant diverse animal life and vegetation adapted to the saturated soil. Sediment and pollutants settle to the floor of the marsh, preserving the cleanliness of the waters at the surface, and microorganisms use nutrients that in excess would compromise oxygen levels. Marshes store floodwaters and act as buffers to stormy oceans. The fecund ooze of the marsh and in the, the in-between reality of murky water and dry insular ground is emblematic of what to the ancient Egyptian death represented. A state of hidden becoming a source of new life, purification, and constant renewal, a passing from one kind of time to another, from life yesterday to life tomorrow. Every summer, with the swelling of the Nile from the highland rains, the marshes are low-lying fields in the Nile Valley where return to the form of primordial waters. And every autumn, the fields would appear covered in a layer of fertile silt, Thus, the soaking of the marsh intimated the watery energies of dissolution that underlie the substance of being. I'm going to stop right there. Actually, no, I'm going to read this part. The marsh continues to be an apt metaphor for the developmental transition of temporary passages within a larger process where consciousness experiences itself in the muck between the permanently dissolved and the yet-to-be, a space of extreme potential and extreme vulnerability, vital, slippery, unpredictable, and emergent. And just as this happens more than once in a lifetime, or one individuation, so for an ancient Egyptians, the field of rushes signified not a single stage to be passed through and never entered again, but an entire cosmic circuit over and under the earth where as in the psyche continues a form incarnate in the specificities of being welcome welcome back to another week of imani talks astrology it feels so good to say that because it just flows and it feels so nice welcome back happy scorpio season even though it's like basically like almost over sorry not sorry scorpio season is hard This was an excerpt from uh, the Book of Symbols, which is published by Tashen. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I believe Marcella Kroll has a book um, that she published through them about tarot, and they also have another book about astrology as well, which is really dope. And the images are awesome, and I think it's a really great comprehensive guide to different symbols. If you're someone who's interested in symbology, divination, I think it's a really great thing to like own so you should like do that anyway and it's really cheap if you buy it from target just saying um yeah i think that captures scorpio season perfectly um we have to remember in traditional astrology that mars is the ruling planet of scorpio And what I love about this passage is especially when it's talking about how fecund and how rich and nutrient dense a marsh is. And we'll also talk about a marsh in another really odd context that absolutely makes sense, but also doesn't really make sense. Right. Um, Since it's Scorpio season, we can talk about occult and other weird shit. Right. Um, The. Life giving you know, ability to survive is what I often associate with like life giving, right? Um, of course we think about the moon, but I also think so much about how each of the personal planets, so like the sun, the moon, Mercury, Venus, well, those the sun and the moon are luminaries, but then Venus, Mercury, Mars are all our personal planets, right? How they all serve this purpose of Um, maintaining our sense of vitality, which is our sun, right? They're the vehicles through which we express these different modes of consciousness while the sun kind of summarizes the totality of our consciousness and our personal planets kind of break those into different kind of pieces and modes of operating and existing and relating to the world, to ourselves, blah, blah, blah. So um, Mars is about survival, And when we turn that Martian energy internal, it's the things that we do, it's the modes that we operate through emotionally to ensure that we can continue to exist. And I think what it speaks to when it talks about, you know, like all the pollutants and things settle at the bottom um, of a marsh. And in Scorpio season, we have this opportunity to see what's down there and experience what it's like for that to kind of be um, riled up a little bit. And for some of the, you know, I'm just like imagining like something like whipping through like the water of like a marsh, like deep down into the bottom and kind of like pushing all of these kind of like gross things to the bottom. Um, And that being an opportunity to... Uh, extract right the uh, pollution or extract the impurities from the water uh which is representative of like this transformative state right what i was going to say about like weird symbolism of course like this is talking about like egypt and the egyptian book of the dead um you know, and and there being a marsh and swamplands along the Nile Valley. We also have a capital that is alongside a river, the Potomac River, and is also uh, covered in marshlands and swamps. If you've been to Washington, D.C., there are swamps literally everywhere. If you go to Teddy Roosevelt Island, if you go into Maryland, into like Akokik, in the Piscataway National Park, there is um, swamplands there as well. So it's something that we find all throughout this region, along the Potomac, along the Anacostia rivers. And of course, if you're familiar with like all the monuments in Washington, D.C., they are deeply mirrored after the um, those that we see in ancient Egypt. In addition to that, we have a city right side, side of Washington, D.C., called Alexandria, which is also one of the major cities there, right? And along the Potomac River at the Tidal Basin, right, where we find, um, you know, the Lincoln Memorial, all of these things, blah, blah, blah. The Teddy Roosevelt, uh, no, I'm sorry, F. the FDR Memorial is mirrored after the procession into the afterlife. So it's some wild like occult stuff in Washington, DC. If that interests you, I'll post something in the description box for you to go explore that rabbit hole yourself. But um, there, this understanding, right, when it talks about this boat that's too flimsy to actually be able to withstand the power of the water, being able to exist in this afterlife space It talks about the hippo, which often falls prey to the alligator being depicted as someone who is able to um, hold back and fight and defeat its greatest enemy and the biggest threat to its life, right? And all of these processes are possible in death, in the other side of experiencing that which we fear the most that's which we try to survive and not experience the richness and fecundity of dying of transformation of embracing cycles and embracing uh, again some of our deepest fears some of the things that we repress um some of the things that we try to control and manipulate so that we don't have to experience them, so that we don't have to face them, are actually the things that allow us to experience possibility and freedom beyond what we experience now and ensure survival beyond this current moment. If that doesn't sound like a season that talks about the, the deepest struggles of our liberation focus and our decolonization process you know I I am recording this on what day is today the 9th and you know if you looked at my story I had like not like a rant but like I was kind of talking about you know this um <laughs> this word war that has emerged post-election between um, the radicals and the liberals um, and how, you know, people are afraid that people will become complacent and all the momentum and the power that was actualized over the summer is going to fall by the wayside. Ironically, we are sitting in a season that is kinkunks, right? So that is the In conjunct, it's sitting to the side of the sign that is opposite the sign where we experience the uprising, which is Gemini season, right? We're going to be six months removed from that when we get to Sag season, so by the end of November. So that will be very interesting around the time of Thanksgiving, quote-unquote, and the beginning of the holiday season and how that will mirror to us some of the things that we saw emerge over the summer but for now we're having a peek into the things that we feared Um, i think the things that people knew were coming when we're um, seeing this time in which so many people are being introduced to this radical political political education and it being something that spread nationwide really quickly right like this was something where we saw people that we never thought right or even ourselves embracing this idea of defunding the police and really kind of thinking about and uh, working to embody and, and work through a liberation abolitionist focused way of moving towards life for everyone, right? That's the theme of the mutable seasons is moving towards life and the fixed signs being fractal. So the relationship between small and large, right? So now we're here overcoming the fears that we knew um, were real, that we expected um, as we have reached the election and we have all of these different um, ideas about the different timelines that might potentially emerge at this time. Um, And of course, one of the best possible outcomes for this particular moment has occurred and and we are still yet being hit with the reality of what that means. There is lots of like Capricorn stuff, Saturn stuff happening right now. So like a really big thing that we're facing is reality at this time. And Scorpio season is allowing us to investigate, is allowing us to question, is allowing us to examine and even in a sense manipulate <laughs> reality, which is something that we're also experiencing in real time as well. So we're gonna do a recap of some of the things that have been happening over Scorpio season, as well as some of the things that I see being embodied throughout the season that we're being called to really look at, um, especially when I'm talking about like what are the things that we don't wanna see, again, on like a very large collective scale um, and on an individual scale as well as we're thinking about how we are personally navigating freeing ourselves. One of the first things that I immediately thought of um, when Scorpio season started, um, was Liz Green, who's an astrologer, um, who I will reference often over the next couple of weeks for a reason that will be um, shared once we get there, has a book about the seven deadly sins in relation to astrology. Now, I will absolutely be the person to name that the word "sin" is largely outdated, misconstrued, and definitely aligned with fundamentalism, um, in in religion. So, I do want to just go ahead and explicitly name that, and um, work to not necessarily explain, but utilize this framework in a way that is supposed to be freeing, right? When we're thinking about Scorpio season, we're thinking about secrets, we're thinking about the things that we hide, we're thinking about the parts of ourselves that we hide. And this is a season in which we are called in to um, examine those pieces of ourselves, despite uh, or in spite of what it is that we um, emotionally may attach to those particular feelings, especially. um, And the stories that we attach to them, again, like the stories around survival, um, the stories around what's accepted within our society, the stories around like very real trauma that we've experienced by living in the world that we do, um, and carrying the identities, the stories, the ancestry that we do, um, and being able to um, hold all of that complexity in a way that extends um, compassion to us. And being able to see that in hiding pieces of ourselves, we are not extending um, We are not extending th- this uh, compassion. But continuing those narratives and stories that told, tell us that those parts of ourselves need to, to disappear or be hidden. So to kind of read some of the excerpts, so Liz Green talks about the seven sins um, in relation to like the journey from shadow to light. And she talks about how this, um, this framework of sin, I don't know what better word to use. We'll just use that, can exist within the 20th for a century outside of the context of religion, outside of the dogma related around systems and structures, especially um religious institutions. And it was really beautiful to see the way that she conceptualized the different forms of sin in a way in which these things, these like really dark and like messy feelings that we have are sharing with us some very critical information about these internal drives that we hold that need to be met by us facing um, the ugly to birth the potentiality and fecundity that exists within the transformation of acknowledging being present with and healing um, the root causes of said things so she talks about envy in relation to, which is also like jealousy, right? In relation to finding an inner authenticity that provides deep self-esteem throughout life. Gluttony, as discovering a powerful inner aspiration that opens new dimensions of awareness. Wrath, transforming rage and resentment into courage and self-affirmation. Pride, experiencing love of the inner self. Lust, realizing a profound inner experience of beauty and joy deceit developing the worldly wisdom that allows a a grounded as well as ethical adaptation to life and then sloth transmuting apathy and depression into serenity and acceptance of life's cyclical nature so if we kind of think about all of these different things and and i would encourage you to you know we've had a very interesting week right think about you know how we've seen these different things emerge especially again referencing these conversations that we've had or we've been seeing emerge on social media around like the fear that people aren't doing enough right the fear that people will be complacent right which is about sloth Right. And so the projected fear of that onto other people, right, being reflective of this overall uh, desire for a future outcome to be present now. Right. One of the things that I think having a spiritual practice has grounded me in is being able to see things beyond the present, but also be able to tune into the present. And I think I am a person who is incredibly grounded and the groundedness can move into a cycle of feeling consumed by reality. And then it just turns into existential dread, right? And then it comes into this like moment of like, oh, what about this and this possibility? And, you know, all of the different loopholes and spaces my mind will go into as I ruminate over like everything that's wrong with the world right um which we can't really help but do right when the sun is in Scorpio there is just this kind of awareness of like and this look at like the underbelly of society and it's just like ew this is really disgusting and really gross and I can't believe that it actually looks like this down here and so going back to sloth and like one of the things that you know I've, I've been in this practice of really um, working with expanding healing and clearing my energetic body over the last couple of months. I refer to it as a detox that's not necessarily the best way to refer to it. Um, but like one of the things that I've come to to see and really realize is, as as a truth is we are very far removed from where we were um hundreds uh thousands of years ago in terms of what was possible and existed within the world there is a way and a tendency that we have of glorifying the past which we'll talk about when we start to talk about the um the Jupiter Pluto conjunction let me make a note of this so that i don't forget Sorry. Um. And and this glorification of the past, in a sense, makes us think that this ideal that we're looking for is something that can be found behind us and isn't something that's centered around moving forward. Right. And we have to remember that. Many of our ancestors were thinking um, in terms of the decisions that they were making about, like, how will that impact people many generations after me, right? We can even use the example of abolition of slavery, right, where it's like I would like I'm creating the possibility in which my um, in which my people are free. Harriet Tubman, my people are free, my people are free, my people are free, right? Um, I use this quote all of the time, and I think it captures very well, you know, when we're dealing, especially with astrology, it's all about cycles. It's all about cycles. And we have to keep things in perspective in relation to cycle if we're able to see things move forward. If we're willing to see and understand that things are shifting and that things are changing and know what we have presently isn't good enough, but it is a sign that what it is that we hope to actualize will be there, right? We needed to, as a country, have a moment in which we can reckon with um, the things that, you know, if you, you can also just be a person living in the united states if that's how you feel as well like that's cool doesn't bother me whatever i feel like that most days too um where it's like we have to see the very ugly face and ugly reality of like what our country is you know i think it would be foolish at this point in time to sit here and pretend like we did not just have the president that we deserved um, or the country did not have the president that it deserves over the last four years. And that may be something that rugs people the wrong way to hear, um, someone say, but it is truly a reality. There was nothing new, nothing surprising, um, about anything that we have experienced. And it put in a spotlight again, like kind of like looking at the underbelly of like, this is what, you know, when it comes to reaping what you sow, we have to remember that Saturn has been in Capricorn for most of this man's presidency. When it comes to reaping what you sow, right, and, and seeing what is the reality of the things that we have fostered and created and built um, and the original intention, like through the legacies that have been formed, the the original intention that existed within the people that... Uh, built the things that we live in today, being able to see and name all of that really disgusting, ugly stuff, right? And yes, it did result in a lot of suffering of many people and a lot of pain um, that has been faced by all of us collectively, but that also is a part of the healing process right? When we're able to examine the wound for exactly what it is, right? And be able to see like, beyond like, oh, it's not that bad. I promise it's not. It's like, no, let's look at this thing and see that it's infected, it's oozing, and it's gross, and be able to engage in the healing process that it takes to finally make this wound go away, right? We are seeing the rejection of healing, um, not just uh, intercommunity within our communities, within our movement spaces, but in our collective as well. And Scorpio season is really calling us to look at that, to look at the wrath, to look at the envy, to look at the gluttony, to look at our sense of pride that we hold and be able to examine and dig beneath the surface level responses that we have to things. Um, and name them and call them for what they are, but also extend compassion to ourselves to provide the perspective to understand what is this reaction really kind of calling for, you know, how is this uh, rejection of people, I'll use that as an example, you know, the rejection of relationship, just this, internalized desire to really just feel understood and feel very solid within yourself or to refuse to be misunderstood by people, thus wanting to be in and create relationships in which people can understand you and accept you fully, right? So like, you know, I think... One of like, I think the words of like the last couple of years has been the use of the word like toxic, like, oh, what's your toxic trait or, you know, what is, you know, you know, or calling people toxic or whatever. And it's like, you know, people will make the excuses like, oh, I just don't trust people. Right. And it's like, what is your inherent distrust? Right. Which is the defense Scorpio Feeling that we have here, what is it actually calling for and what does it actually want? Right? Quite opposite. By saying, I don't trust, you're demonstrating that you do have the deep desire to trust people and have relationships in which you can feel secure about the way that you're being treated and that the interactions that you're having with people are authentic, right? So, like, this is a level of like, not critique, I'm such a freaking Virgo moon, the level of analysis that we're being asked to have of ourselves to allow space for the healing process, right? And I think being able to, you know, given that Scorpio season is so much about relating, I think a part of the investigative nature is being able to be a good listener um, and be willing to listen to understand people and hear what they're saying and, and ask questions, it's a very questioning sign, that allow the person or allow yourself to really understand what are the really deep and intense hidden drives that are required to build a sense of intimacy within movements, within relationships, and within yourself. Now, I'm gonna take a quick break. I think that was a good way to like summarize Scorpio season. I'm going to drink some water. When I come back, we're going to talk about the lunations from the beginning of Scorpio season. We're going to kind of talk about the full moon a little bit, not too much, but then we're going to talk about some of the things that we can expect moving into the remainder of the season. Let's get into it. So we're talking about October 23rd when we were experiencing the first quarter moon. According to Rudyar, the first quarter moon is about going through outer crises due to the breaking of past conditions, right? So we moved from the Libra new moon in which we came into this understanding of this new way of relating to one another. Moving into the Aquarius Uh, quarter moon there is this realization right as we enter Scorpio season especially given that first degree of Scorpio in the Sabian symbols book is all about like the convergence of different people and them adapting to existing in relationship with one another right so like it, it was I think bunch of people like standing at like a bus stop or this is the image that I have in my mind Um, and think about any neighborhood in New York. I remember watching this video in which someone was talking about moving. I'm not a New Yorkologist, so I'm not about to even say what borough, but they were a, um, Afro-Colombian person, uh, woman moving or as a child moving into a heavily Dominican and Puerto Rican neighborhood. Um, in which people did not assume because she was black that she knew how to speak uh, Spanish and listening to the things that they would say about her hair in like the Dominican blowout spot. Right. And saying it in Spanish and her mom coming down to pick her up and going off and like cussing them out in Spanish because of the things that they were saying over her child's head. Right. So like when we think about liberation, we think about Um, Moving forward as a collective, there comes this moment in which we realize this is the reality of what it means to be in relationship with one another, given, right, go back to that marsh analogy at the beginning, all of the sediment that lies at the bottom that's only stirred up during a storm or stirred up when uh, the tide comes in and disrupts, you know, the swamp, right? And so all of the the conflict and the, you know, I, Scorpio season makes me think so much about like the window of tolerance, right? And like the hypo um, arousal, um, the adrenal state that we go into and Mars rules the adrenals, right? And Mars is retrograde right now. Perfect. Um, so like the, the state of like fight, flight, fawn, um that we go into when experienced having these experiences that rue up and disrupt all the sediment that lies at the surface of us right so this is this moment in which you know the idealistic Aquarius moon is kind of forgetting right it's the moon and Aquarius isn't necessarily one of the strongest moon placements because sometimes it has ideals and forgets about the Uh, forgets about or ignores the emotional reality of things or is able to practice non-attachment in a healthy sense is detached from the emotional reality and decides to move forth in a way that is logical and objective and is related to some sort of ideal that's held about how things should move forward or certain opinions um, that people should hold around something in particular, right? So there is this humanitarian archetype that's associated with so like the instinctual response is like yes we're moving and we're supposed to be collective and the sun and scorpio um remember these two signs form a square so there's this desire to move into this new way of relating and having this cohesive sense of unity among a collective but being um hit with the reality that there is so much, again, the sun and Scorpio shining the light on this underbelly, showing and creating a sense of crisis around the secrets, the things that are hidden about the ways that we relate to each other, the lack of trust that's there, the trauma, the repression, the taboo that exists within our relationship with each other that impacts our ability to form a cohesive um, Collective. And so the sun, the moon in Aquarius is like, yes, I see that. I see that that is true. What will move us towards that direction is being able to, you know, in a way, um, it makes me think of like Brave New World, where there is, you know, the variety of classes of people and in a sense, individuality is kind of wiped away in an unhealthy way, um, we can kind of like think of the Aquarian archetype as having this relationship between like this dichotomy or binary of like utopia and dystopia, right? And like what it means to be a collective is not that everyone's individuality is washed away, but that there are agreed upon ideals that everyone has. And so being able to identify those, right, and then be able to move into a space in which we're able to do that critical analysis and investigation of some of the things that emerge as we try to move towards unity. To look at the symbol associated with um, that quarter moon We have an Adobe mission in California, the power inherent in all great human works to endure far beyond the worker's lifespans. Um, It speaks to the concretization of an ideal. This also implies the immortalization of an individual within a great collective and cultural enterprise. I'm from San Diego, California. So I'm very familiar with missions and what they stood for in relation to colonization and the use of Christianity and Catholicism in particular, um, to re-educate and reform people um, to fit into a particular ideal society, right? Going back to that Brave New World example. So this is a moment in which we have this realization of like, well, what is it that we're moving towards? right? And what is this kind of ideal that we possess? How do we, in the day-to-day, kind of think about the the moon as the, the fastest moving planet of the sky? It changes signs every two and a half days, right? So like in this, this quickest cycle that we experience, how are we moving um, through this understanding? And what crisis emerges from us trying to form a se- this particular ideal of society when we are faced with the reality of the type of suffering and trauma that people are experiencing because of society. And then if we fast forward to the 31st, of course, we were experiencing that full moon in Taurus and the moon was in a nice little conjunction to Uranus. And so when the moon is in Taurus, the the moon being exalted in Taurus, because again, the moon is about, uh, it's very like, it's, it's the body, it's emotions. And, you know, there is a sense of like regulating, of what we feel and it allows a kind of solidness and groundedness in the sense of security and stability that we need and so in a sense it is um a bit shaken up and and rocked when we have uranus transiting over that right so it's like the sense of calling out and and bringing into awareness right because The full moon is about the integration or breakdown of relationships. And so it's when we realize that a particular way, especially a frame of um, contextualizing, understanding, and even emotionally experiencing a particular relationship. Remember relationships exist on like micro macro scale relationship with self relationship with person relationship with society, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, realizing the, the sense of security and groundedness and foundation that we um, have um, is a, quite shaky. Um, and it is one that does require us to um, reestablish um, a sense of security Um, there may have been a day in which you experienced a sense of like disruption or chaos. Um, whether it be monetarily, especially in relation to debt is a really big theme. Um, something happened to your car, something happened to your home. Again, think about those things in your daily life that, or something happened to your body, right? Something happened to disrupt the, one of the tried, trusted, senses of security and stability that you may have in your day-to-day life and that demonstrating for you externally that you know some of the the things that you may you know it's the things that we want to forget about and it's the things that we hide um, from ourselves and that we or that we hide from the world in a sense coming back to haunt us and creating again that sense of instability Um, The symbol, being the ninth degree of Taurus, is a fully decorated Christmas tree, the ability to create inner happiness in dark hours. And so the fourth stage symbol suggests the ever-present possibility open to man to transfigure the darkness and deprivation of the low point of a life cycle by incarnating it into an antiphonic response, celebrating the ever-remembered and always-expected high moments of life. It evokes man's undying faith in cyclical renewal. You may have gotten like surprise money or like uh, you moved into a new home, something like that. But ultimately, when we have Uranus, it is important to remember that while it moves very quickly and creates a lot of chaos and surprises very suddenly for us, or even if you may have had something related to food that happened for you or a sudden realization that something in your life was not as, as stable as you as you thought it was um, or feeling a quakingness within your body or even um, earthquakes being experienced elsewhere. It's showing us the places in which the, the stability um, and even stubbornness and rigidity that we had towards a particular physical reality um, is finite and being able to find an opportunity to create and build something or find something that is 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 ultimately a little bit more stable for you right and the thing is i think it will be something that you may not necessarily realize it until maybe like 6 months later when we move into the new moon in taurus um then to talk about da, 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 da okay now we're getting into last week so on the day of the election on the third mercury did go direct at 26 degrees libra i think what's really funny there is that you know the back and forth um, between that we saw with all of the different states um and you know whether they would be blue or red whatever um was, you know, it it put in perspective the Libra back and forth, weighing, you know, measurement um, of things uh, that is, again, kind of going back and forth and changing and shifting over those, um, the days leading up to the decision um, on the 7th, right? That was Saturday. And so especially with Mercury moving back into um into Libra a little bit early on the 27th and then of course it being direct Mercury going direct there there is this overall like conversation about um justice or injustice in particular we have to remember that the um this square between Libra and Capricorn uh placements that we've seen over the last like month and a half or so right as we experience Libra season have really put into perspective like the reality of justice um, within our country and like our ideals and how we conceptualize justice versus the actual reality of it in relation to systems and the processes that exist um, the existing structures that there are that prevent the particular ideals that we may have of justice from being able to be fully actualized so with mercury square saturn um, that we experience from the fourth to the sixth this aspect um, as uh, susan I don't want to say the wrong person. Whoever wrote the aspects in astrology book. she refers to it as like the voice of authority, right? And so it is the day in which we kind of are deferring to like, well, who has the say on this thing, right? Which is something that people experience while looking through the election. And ultimately, I think one of the things that emerged is being able to realize that the voice of authority um, and those who determine justice is, is largely based on, again, what systems do and do not allow um, as we're weighing this new way of relating to each other and this way of communicating to each other that's centered around fairness, right? Mercury in Libra is like, what is the most fair way to think about this process? What is the most fair way to include everyone in this process that we're engaging in? While Capricorn is like, well, it's not about fairness, it's about process and it's about what we have to do and sticking by the rules and sticking by the legacy, right? So in without context, that sounds fine, right? But within the context of the legacy being one of disenfranchisement, um, the legacy and commitment to um, remaining in the past, right? Being one centered around uh, not being a purveyor of justice. Um, there is this tension that these two Points feel where it's like, how do we move forward? Do we move forward with the uh, again reality um, of uh, of our systems, or do we move forth with this ideal way of trying to be fair and and count everyone right? And so there is this kind of overwhelming frustration where it's like weighing between people and relationships versus systems right and and one of the things that i think is really evident throughout the days um after the election on the third are all the beautiful cardinal t squares that we had um and so i i don't ember of ember small astrology (laughs) had posted um this tweet that an astrologer had for the first time since like the 1700s all cardinal signs were in the planet or, or all the 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 all the planets of cardinal signs were in their domicile so we were experiencing mars in saturn venus in libra I'm sorry mars in aries venus in libra the moon in cancer and saturn in Capricorn for the first time since the 1700s. So that definitely was a really major moment. And I think also When we think about cardinal signs we have to think about initiations and think about the process of being initiated into something it makes me think about like fraternity sorority culture don't get mad if you're in a fraternity sorority um and and like the stereotypes of like hazing and ceremony and ritual that one must endure to then become a part of something bigger than oneself and the growing pains and the frustration and the process that comes from doing that and so with the cardinal t-square that we experienced on the fourth we had mars retrograde in aries and venus and libra in a very kind of like loose um opposition to each other was approaching um and all of that was in a nice little t-square to the moon and cancer so we're feeling this pressure of um being able to uh, of like Fairness and like our personal needs and desires um, conflicting one another, right? And all of that being really felt in terms of like our emotional equilibrium and feeling very deeply unsettled, right? And we can even use Venus in in Libra to talk about justice, right? Justice and what you see as right. Um, and necessary within the world for justice to exist in its entirety just not in the way that it, we're told that we're supposed to be receiving justice internally what's what's actually fair like outside of systems right um, again against like our individual desires um, of what would presently exist And being able to realize that, like, all of those desires that we have now, I'm hearing, um, is it Veruca Salt in um, Charlie Chocolate Factory? Where she's like, well, I want it now, right? Um, With her dad is like, um, has like hundreds and hundreds of candy bars in their factory so that she can have a, a, they can find her a golden ticket, right? And that's the the kind of energy that I feel there right where it's like the temper tantrum that emerges from things not going the way that we want um even when we're trying to it's not even that we're thinking about other people it's that other people exist right and that their needs are also important being able to realize the difference between like I'm being slighted and this is not fair versus this is my stuff These are the things that I desire and how they um, don't seem to be in alignment with what is actually fair um, and a fair process that's emerging um, in the world and being able to feel the pressure of like, how does that make me feel, right? And and what the cardinal T-square asks us, right? When we have a T-square, we step outside of all of the planets in the square that are present. We go to Capricorn. What does Capricorn tell us we need? It tells us that we need process. It tells us that there is a meticulous process. It tells us that there is a system and a way. There is a chronological way of taking tangible steps towards making it to the final outcome, right? And we can think about that. You know, I know a lot of different people listen to this podcast. If you're someone who has reformist ideals, right? Thinking about that and thinking about how you feel about, felt about like what that particular moment meant for potential process that's needed, being able to surrender to the amount of control that's there, right? And if you're liberation-centered, it's like, what does this mean in relation to the process that we're embracing? And then also I think the the Capricorn piece is like it's a message around authority and autonomy, in which we have this opportunity to realize and step back and see, wow, there is a lot of emotional in, and personal investment that I have in things outside of me to be the sense of authority and governing body of my existence and my well-being. What ways can I embrace? or release this may need to control how I feel in this particular way to embrace a sense of personal autonomy and authority that's needed to embrace process and move me to the next step. On the 6th, we had another cardinal T-square with Mercury in Libra, the Moon in Cancer, and Saturn in Capricorn. And so this is really funny because this was the day when... Um, all of those really hilarious memes about you know counting ballots in Nevada and <laughs> counting ballots in Nevada and um, I think Pennsylvania. How like it was going back and forth, and we were seeing the margins get really kind of close. This weekend was such an emotional roller coaster, and so the all the pressure being on Mercury in Libra, um, it being this again weighing of like what is is fair and kind of like going back and forth in terms of the way that we're communicating maybe feeling a little bit indecisive um again even own life sorry i accidentally muted myself um feeling a bit indecisive about again whatever kind of process that's existing within you um i don't say this often but i think Maybe you all know you should look at what houses these things are falling in in your chart to get an idea of how it's personally impacting you. Maybe I'll do some sort of video episode um, about listening to the podcast and and some of the things that you should um, consider if you want to use this in a generative way. I'll definitely do that. And it will help if you're someone who journals to like overlay what you're journaling with some of the things that you're hearing in this podcast. So it's feeling this tension. So again, the moon in and, and Cancer and Saturn in Capricorn being in domicile. And so it being this relationship between nurturing and authority, right? The nurturer versus the provider, where it's like the this is what's happening in the home versus this is what's going on outside in the world. And being able to weigh those two um, different things in terms of, like, how am I supposed to utilize uh, my, how am I thinking about fairness and how am I thinking about relationships in terms of, like, what is important to to give to the world um, or give to, to systems and to embrace when it comes to a sense of, like, again, like, sovereignty and authority versus you know what is it that i i need emotionally what is it that my ancestry needs what is it that my my family needs right and like how do those two things align what is the difference between what i'm emotionally inheriting and feeling at this moment versus the legacy that I see being created outside of me. And how can these two things meet? How can I utilize my relationships as a a soundboard to bring, um, I guess, equilibrium um, to these very opposing but interconnected areas of my life? How am I weighing this relationship with authority Um, to the emotional sensitivity that I feel. And again, finding the release point in Aries, it's about making room for ourselves, releasing some anger and frustration around how slow things are moving and how indecisive and how back and forth we feel about how we're engaging and being initiated into this new chapter of our world, and how You know, how much can't be done is, I think, a reality with Mars and Aries Um, and what there isn't enough space and time and energy for, right? And so it is just a very big assessment um, period. On the 7th, Jupiter moved into 22 degrees Capricorn and bringing us into that final uh, Jupiter-Pluto conjunction, um, which will intensify until it is exact on the 12th. Um, the, it's about mining and recycling. It's about digging into the legacy. It's about digging into the reality of the things that have been created. Um, the, the power reserves, the resource reserves that exist because of existing systems and structures Specifically, ones that are meant to fall down and fall apart, right? And so, like another really big piece um, that I've seen, because Jupiter has its relationship to to privilege and it has its relationship to wealth, right? And it's about like how are we utilizing those things as a means to silence, to manipulate to control, um, and to maintain the status quo. And so it is one of those aspects in which we do have to kind of take a step back once we leave this cycle to be able to evaluate for ourselves, you know, based on like what we have discovered about the legacy, um, of ourselves, of our country, um, of our people, of our ancestry, um, What is it that needs to be discarded, right? And like, what needs to be utilized to fortify and create and build new life-sustaining systems and embrace a sense of, uh, embrace uh, uh, the creation of systems that will transform and evolve people beyond the present possibilities and formulate a new legacy, right? Some of the other things that I wrote down. So again, going back to the idea of the glorification of the past, because Capricorn has so much to do with legacy and our um, and tradition. And we have to remember, again, going back to the idea of cycles. And I didn't finish saying the quote that I often say from Bronte Vildez of Led to Life during their homecoming that they did at the um, Allied Media Conference over the, the summer. Let me read this exactly so I don't mess it up. We are only continuing prophecies that have already been set in motion. And so like if we are grounded in this truth that like people have already set and planted the seeds for a liberatory future, we have to be able to see the evidence in this current moment. And a part of that is the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction, again, about mining and recycling, discovering, digging down, digging deep into the reserves, and seeing what lies at the bottom that, again, can be repurposed and utilized in this present moment to build a new legacy, to build a new direction, um, to go into that kind of is like previewing, um, a bit of like the Saturn in Aquarius energy, right? Where it's like, if we learn from the past, we don't have to repeat it. Jupiter and, uh, conjunct Pluto is also this deep dive into history. It's also again, about wealth, Um, expansion and lots of times one of the things that we've seen we saw this at the beginning of quarantine we've seen this throughout quarantine is like the the ways that these unsustainable systems Pluto and Capricorn have served as a creation of of wealth um, and the expansion of wealth um, and how People are exploited uh, for wealth and the manipulation of people and the manipulation of power, not only presently, right, but also globally as well. Someone was talking about Jupiter in relation to globalization, was talking about it in relation to adventure and colonization, which it definitely has its connections to. So we're even able to see the manipulation that exists because of colonization, manipulation being our keyword for Pluto, colonization being related to Jupiter. So the colonization that is emerged through systems, how that impacts you in your personal life, right? I do have a a what is it called? A a meditation. For the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction, it's it's about going into, it takes you into a mine and you're able to look and see what is lying down there. And so it's an opportunity to examine your subconscious in relation to some of the themes that we're talking about. I'll also post a really cool graphic about this sometime this week, since we're still going to be experiencing this energy throughout the, re- the remainder of the week. I definitely would encourage you to do it take notes. If you have questions about the symbols that you're seeing, I would encourage you to reach out to me. Just DM me or email me. I am an open book. I definitely would be happy to help you. I've been experiencing the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction in my third house, which is related to um, learning and it's related to siblings. It's related to communication and For me, I realized I give a lot of authority to expectations that I create through process. So like, here's how that was shown to me. I would go into the mine and I would see this like hill of coal. And at the top of the hill would be like this bright opening. And I would crawl up this coal that was like literally like hundreds of feet tall and I would get to that opening and when I would get through the opening I would slide down a hill and when I would look up I would see that I was in the exact same place where I had to climb up another hill and go through this other thing right and so it's like you know the insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result so being in this communication loop where I'm giving Power to these expectations of what I think I'm doing by putting a lot of pressure, um, a lot of um, critique and and hardness around my thoughts and rigidity that I have when experiencing and navigating relationships with people. That's the other fun thing is that all of this Jupiter Pluto crap is in a nice little square to my Venus and it's driving me crazy. Um And so being able to realize this larger story arc of like expectations um, and like goal setting and like thinking of process as a way to, and chronological time as a way to avoid the non-linearity of things and how the possibility of many timelines exists, right? And so like in the meditation, I literally just, I left Because I'm like, I'm actually just not going to keep doing this. Like, clearly, I did it like six times. I'm like, I'm clearly keep doing the same process. This process where I'm pouring a whole bunch of energy and my time into, right? To end up back in the same place and thinking that I'm seeing this shiny new thing. And it's like, nope, that's not what's happening. It's about, you know, when it comes to communicating and creating rules of relating and engaging to other people it's about you know working smarter not harder that's my own little thing right i just wanted to give an example of some of the things that can emerge from doing the um what is it called meditation so some of the other things Capricorn rules the bones, the skin, the knees. Um, So you may have lots of issues. I know I do with some of those things because we're having a lot of collective things that we're experiencing related to, and that includes your teeth too, um, related to structures and systems, right? So that is not only external, but it's also within our personal body as well. You may have had a middle finger nail break, which is the Saturn nail, Saturn finger. You might have cut your Saturn finger. (sighs) Experiencing lower back pain. Um, You know, if you're someone who's into like psycho, spiritual, physical manifestations of those things. If you're not, ignore me, right? Um, Knees. Uh, is also an area that Capricorn rules so there's it's representative of pride and ego right and the knees because it's a joint they require flexibility and fluidity to move forward because they are the joint of the legs and the legs are about moving forward right so knee problems show stubbornness ego inability to bend fear inflexibility Um, and an inability to give in, right? So, you know, Capricorn can be very my way or the highway, daddy knows best kind of energy. And so we may be in this space in which, you know, some of the things that I discussed earlier, it could be the way that we're policing people, right? And telling them, well, this is the authority and this is what the book says and this is what the system says. So if you don't do this, then how, how dare you ask for it to give you that, right? Which is a whole other conversation that we've seen being emerging in a number of different ways over the last month. I'm not even gonna go into the details of that, right? But it's like being e- able to see, again, like going back to like, again, with this glorification of the past and this refusal to look and heal what we see in the underbelly, but right, instead past judgment and, you know, when we use you know, when we think about the ways that we relate to each other, we, you know we call each other haters, we call people jealous, um, we call people lazy, we call people envy, you know, all of these things that and, that we project at other people. And again, going back to what we were saying at the bot at earlier about the way that Liz Green was conceptualizing. Um, sin, you know, there is more information that exists underneath that. And so there is this need to be able to see people as human, right? And that's also another thing with the the Mars um, and Aries stuff and like going back to self is like being able to realize that you are a person and that you are relating to other people. And so like consistently bringing that back into perspective will then allow us to extend more compassion and flexibility to one another, right? And I definitely would say that's kind of like the shadow in terms of what Capricorn has to work to um, bring in is a sense of compassion for self and other people, right? Because lots of times if we're not granting other people compassion, we also have a very difficult time doing it for ourselves. All of this information I have about the knees is from the book, You Can Heal Yourself. I have a bootleg copy of the book, email me if you want one. Anyway, it has these nice little um, uh, affirmations, mantras, whatever that you can say. And for the knees and for knee problems, it's um, I am flexible and flowing, forgiveness, understanding, compassion. I bend and flow with ease and all is well. I think, You know, I spoke a lot about forgiveness and healing in the previous episode about Libra season, but I think it would be irresponsible not to talk about how like the onus of forgiving um, and being the bigger person is often placed on people in marginalized groups, right? And so that is something that's important to name. And I think that goes back to, I think, I don't remember which episode it was where I was saying like, what do we do when someone is so far from love that they refuse to be held accountable? And, you know, a a part of this process is being able to say no, right? And being able to say, actually, it's not within my capacity to extend that type of, forgiveness or understanding at this time. Maybe it is in the future, but it is not right now. And I don't want to have that conversation, right? But when we're dealing with our people and we're dealing with our immediate groups in which we're seeking to impact change, those are places where we can do that, right? On the 11th, not the 11th, on the 8th and the 9th, we have a Venus opposition between Mars, which is retrograde, um, and Uh, or Mars in Aries, which is retrograde and Venus. So there is this desires versus passions. Um, And there is what we expect when relating to each other versus the reality of what is our shit versus what is someone else's shit. There is this kind of opposedness of like being defensive versus people-pleasing. So there is lots of kind of like passive aggression that I think will likely, (laughs) passive aggression that will kind of emerge. In the coming days, it's very me versus you. Um, it's can it be me or we? And it also is the defining of who is we. And so, of course, there is a certain amount of defensiveness we have around what we means, and the assumptions we have of like who is included in we when we have um, ideas of that 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 does not include us. It's also about energy and survival versus like relationships and like the pleasure of being in relationship with one another. And again, like this ideal of like, what would it be like for us to truly relate to one another and be in right relationship with each other, versus like the fact that like, I have to spend a lot of energy and time just making sure that I can exist and survive as I'm trying to relate to you. It's taking the time to weigh things and figure out what's valuable And feeling the pressure of what we immediately want to do and move towards. And lots of times, especially because Mars is retrograde, I think it is being able to realize that like a lot of those things are not possible at this moment. And that requires us to reframe the relate the way that we're relating to people outside of us and that fairness and harmony within the relationship may look very different than we may have thought it would. Um, on the ninth, we have a Sun trine to Neptune, which is really fun, and so it is about merging our ideals um, with what we're called to embody, and it, you know, it, Sun and in, in Scorpio prioritizing healing, Neptune and Pisces really wanting to have a, a compassionate world. I think it's important to note. You know, Neptune has this connection to abolition within the United States birth chart. It was present um, in the sky during the time of the um, Emancipation Proclamation. And we, as a, uh, in the United States birth chart, um, there is Neptune in Virgo, which is the opposite sign, right? So there is a, a way. I think that Neptune transits can be difficult, even when it is a trine, because like I and I think I've mentioned this before when it comes to like the participation mystique, it's like this idea of like merging and blending with an object, an idea or whatever to the point where we can't separate ourselves from it. Right. So when we kind of think about this ideal of compassion in relation to what has to be healed it is an energy in which we can try to make ourselves a martyr for a particular cause to the point in which it is destructive and where we lack the boundaries of like how much we can and cannot give, but also in terms of what we do and do not expect from other people. And we may expect that because we're sacrificing ourselves that other people are doing the same. And I think what's important when the sun is trying Neptune is to feel inspired, but we have to be present, right? And we have to come back to what are our boundaries and what is possible right now in relation to this ideal that is likely very far away, but is possible if we add process. Um, what do we need to see now and how can it be in service of affirming our vision and how can we separate ourselves from our ideals and not be consumed by what we hope to be the future to the point in which we lose sight of what we presently need and the boundaries that we have to maintain for our emotional and mental well-being. The North Node and South Node in Gemini. This makes me think um, Ari Felix of Saltwater Stars. They were um, one of the um, panelists for a North Node event that Elmina Bell and I hosted back in, I believe it was May when the, the nodes first moved. And they were saying, you know, not everyone has the political education but like what are the ways that we can engage people right now like what are the people ways that the tangible ways that people can start engaging in this work now um and be uh, and experientially begin to learn right without saying well you need to read these seven books first and you need to completely believe south node in, in um in sag this particular ideology and this is the way that we have politics and this is the way that we do this and this is how we're going to be free and if you can't do that you can't be here right is it exhausting that there is a very deep learning curve right as we've been able to establish already not a lot of people have radical politics right And yes, that is exhausting. And yes, it does feel like backtracking. But where can we meet people where we are and have them join in now rather than being dogmatic about process, which is what Jupiter in Capricorn is showing us, right? How process can be or how uh, dogma can be used in process. Um, And, you know, North Node and Jonah, we're supposed to be making it fun. This is supposed to be fun. This is something that people wanna be curious about. So how can we make people ask questions and how can we guide them through that process? On the 10th, we have this mutable cross. And so there is this energy where we may feel very like scattered or directionless Um, and understanding and kind of seeing, not necessarily understanding, but feeling like there are many different ways to move forward. I think it's a good day to unplug, to cut back on how much you're engaging in like reality and to stop yourself from feeling burnt out or even a bit hopeless or like you're wasting a lot of energy or in lots of different places it's definitely a day if you have a long to-do list cut it in half and then after you've cut it in half cut it in half again yeah on the 13th we have mars going direct at 16 degrees aries finally so If you felt like things have been incredibly slow and arduous and you're like, I want to move, I want to see things change, been able to come into the realization of like why they can't, right? And why this is a process Um, and had an opportunity to reevaluate how fast you wanted things to move and why you wanted them to move that way, right? Why you desired, why were you passionate and empowered to move or inspired to move towards a particular direction. As Mars moves its way through through Aries up until January of next year, it will be brought into perspective for you why things needed to slow down, why you didn't have the energy you needed, and you be able to kind of figure out again, what are you running towards? Is this something that you're actually passionate about? And is this something that you actually desire? Is this a way of operating, existing in the world that is survival-based? Or is it something that's hurting you and harming you? Where do you need to say no more in your life? And how is no inviting in the things that you do want? How are you defining yourself? And how does the way that you're defining yourself um, allow you to create distance between the things that people project onto you, but what are the ways that we've defined ourselves that were just responses to the world outside, right? And how much of our identity was truly about us and how much was it about um, the world? Um, to look at the degree of 16 degrees Aries, nature spirits are seen at work in the light of the sunset. Attunement to the potential potency of invisible forces of nature. This first stage of the five, fourth fivefold sequence of a cyclic phases, it implies a call to repotentialization, which means also means what this means also is the process of becoming like a little child. So it's inviting in more curiosity and allowing us to learn, right? and and really learn ourselves and learn what we want, what we truly want. Um, And I think then move forward with some of those things once we get into um, January of next year, once uh, Mars has cleared this shadow. So we're still in it for the next two months. However, it will be very generative and there will be lots of revelations And things just kind of like coming together that just make a lot of sense. Let's see. I've been talking for like an hour. I'm going to pause because I'm going to drink water. And I am out of water. Perfect. After we experienced, no, I did not get up and no, I did not get water. I sat here for 20 minutes scrolling on my phone. Don't judge me. Yeah. Anyway, so Venus is going to form a square to all of those very fun planets that we experience, um, in the sign of Capricorn on the 15th, it's going to be in a square. To Jupiter. So it is a moment in which we find ourselves potentially over-promising or over-committing um, to a particular process. Maybe not without having a complete idea of what that requires of us and how we will prioritize ourselves in relation to whatever we are engaging in. At the core, it is about fairness. Um, and it also is an opportunity, um, to potentially see some of the, um, setbacks or internal tension that you may face to having long-term, I don't know why I'm saying this, long-term financial stability or wealth building that you're, you're seeking. It also is a opportunity to explore um, maturity and a newfound sense of authority within relationships right especially since sometimes with the venus and i think it's an opportunity to evaluate in relationships where you know so a lot of these aspects will be about giving away our power Um, and giving away our sense of authority and allowing someone else to be the person that makes the decisions for us when we're relating. And all of it is in the name of, again, like playing nice. Pause this podcast one more time. I'm going to stab myself in the eyes. Anyway, it's about being able to evaluate who are we deferring and giving the power to in relationships is the difficult thing, especially because Venus and Libra has the tendency towards like, how are we playing along to get along? How are we playing nice with people? How are we, we're telling ourselves that we're being diplomatic, but we can easily fall into um, people pleasing, right? On the 16th Venus square, Pluto more intense, where we're pulled into um, sometimes manipulative cycles that exist within relationships. And I think, especially when we're using the word manipulation, I also would like to contextualize that by saying that like not all manipulation is malicious, right? Or sometimes we don't want our feelings hurt Or we don't want someone's feelings hurt. So we uh, may adjust the way that we engage in that relationship, again, in a kind of superficial way to protect other people, right? And so it kind of shows us where we're taking away and giving authority and power um, in the relationships that we have. Again, relationships in the largest possible frame in which they can exist. And as Venus squares Saturn on the 19th, and that will be the final one. Right. And so like, we'll feel all of this intense relationship tension and where it's like having to center, um, authority and like authority as well as maturity, um, process and fear. Are at the core of the tension that we may be feeling. How we fear we will be received if we um, pursue or navigate our relationships a certain way. So we allow the other person or the system or whatever it may be to be the governing body or deciding body on like what is the what the rules are, what the um, what's the the game we play by, right? So Venus and Saturn also I one of the favorite things one of my favorite things about Venus Saturn aspects even when they are difficult is that it speaks to like commitment, right? And it speaks to taking things seriously. And what does it require of us to do when relating to people? To show them that we take them seriously, that we respect their personal authority and sovereignty and will not use our assumptions about what people need or what we think that we should do for them or what they do or do not want to hear where we drop these assumptions and relate to one another in a way that is just truly fair. On the 15th, we have the new moon in Scorpio, which will be at 24 degrees Scorpio. I'm going to read this Chandra symbol. again, when we think about this new way of evaluating are the possibilities of, of intimacy that can be uh, explored, um, and can be created when relating to one another, when we get really real about the ugly things that we say, the other ugly things that we think, um, and experience when relating to one another. Ooh, perfect. Scorpio 24 degrees. After having heard an inspired individual deliver his sermon on the Mount, crowds are returning home. The need to incorporate inspiring experiences and teachings into everyday life. The return home from the high mountain or from an upper chamber of the consciousness may lead to a sense of oppression by the normal realities of existence or else the soul that has been illuminated may maintain enough of that light to transfigure every daily situation. This is the great challenge to transform. So again, going back to that analogy of the marsh and the hippo in the afterlife, holding its adversary in its jaws, right? Being able to find for, see for ourselves that there is a day in which we will be able to defeat the forces that cause us the most harm, the challenge, our ability to survive, challenge what we feel about ourselves and having the tools at our disposal to, to name what it is that we're experiencing and name what it is that we need to heal for ourselves. It's what's ultimately going to allow us to actualize that possibility, right? And so it's coming into that newness of like, I can do this, is, and this is difficult, and this is the inspiration that's, that's needed to heal and to navigate healing. And I love that this happens a couple days after the, Um, Mars goes direct because it is, does make it a little bit more easeful in a sense, and there is less tension and there is more inspiration and a readiness to go and an opportunity to reevaluate, um, for yourself again, what we've been running towards and what internal drives have been shaping what it is that we're running towards and how can we redirect ourselves Um, towards what we truly desire, not just for ourselves, but for all people. Alrighty. It's late. This has taken way longer than I expected it to. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will be back when I will be back. Um, This season has just been really rough and so much like stuff happening underneath the surface. That's just the, the main way that I can put it. And you know, I, this sporadicness of episodes, it's going to be like that for a while. Like, I'm just going to be honest and name that, um, because I, over anything else, am prioritizing my own healing and pouring a lot of time and energy into myself and embodying the things that I'm sharing with you all every single week. And that feels way more important than making sure I publish an episode at a particular time. I'm sorry if that doesn't align with your expectations of me. That is not my problem. Sorry. It's just not. And I won't accept it as that. Yeah. I am doing, I have a couple of spots open for personal readings. I don't really want to do too many, um, the remainder of the year because the rest of the year is just going to be kind of hard, um, for a number of different reasons. Um, so yeah, I will talk to you when I talk to you and yeah, thank you for listening.